best friends and introverts, happy Halloween. Welcome to the spooky edition of the You're So Quiet podcast. Yes, I creeped myself out because I have this soundboard and it has sounds just on it and they were just playing and I didn't realize that like the sounds were on it. I thought I had to program them. So, um, enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy something that scared the crap out of me as I was sitting down to record our scary story episode. I have stories from you all. I have stories I found online. I have some from a book. And of course, I have some of my own. We're talking paranormal. We're talking not paranormal. I asked you what the scariest thing that ever happened to you was, and I got some crazy answers. The internet is obviously unhinged, so I got some crazy answers from that as well. But before we get into any of that, we are going to do our customary mental health check. As always, you are going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. Today, as for me, I'm sitting at around a four, maybe a three and a half to four. It has been incredibly gloomy, but still incredibly hot. And whenever seasons kind of transition for me, I always get a little depresso uh, just because I'm used to like a lot of sun. Living in Texas is great for me because sun really helps my my mental health and mental stability. But when we start to transition into fall and it's a little gloomier, my mood takes a a little bit of a nosedive, to be quite honest with you. But I've learned this about myself. I know this about myself. So I know that it will pass. It'll be fine. I just need to make my way through it and try not to seclude myself. And in the spirit of not secluding myself, I am actually going out. I'm recording this before Halloween weekend. I am planning to go out on Saturday. I'm going to a party. I'm getting dressed up. I'm doing the things. I'm going to dance and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. And will I need some liquid courage to dance in front of people? A hundred percent. But you know what? It's fine. It's Halloween weekend and that is just what we got to do, you know? So I am planning to do that. I'm very excited. I am doing my utmost to take care of my mental health and my physical health by staying on top of all my medications, keep taking my vitamins, keep trying to get a little bit of exercise each day, even if that's just a walk, make sure I don't seclude myself, you know, the usual. I've also been thinking a lot about the possible rebrand for the podcast, and I just want to float an idea by you since we're here, you know. I think I want to change the title and the reason is that as you've heard, I I feel like I have grown as a person and I'm different now than I was three years ago. And I feel like that's a good thing. But I also feel that the podcast should reflect that. And at the moment, I'm not sure that it does. It's very neutral. It's very clean palette. It's very soft. And for me, like that, I am kind of those things, but I'm more like I wear black all the time and a little bit edgier. And I feel like I want the podcast to reflect that, even though like the conversations we talk about are pretty much going to be the same, but the image and the brand of the podcast will be a little bit different. Which brings me to what I have thinking 
what I've been thinking about for the potential new title and just let me know. Let me know because obviously I don't want to exclude my audience because you guys have been awesome. You've stuck with me for three years throughout this whole crazy journey through my learning how to edit an episode, learning how to record stuff, learning how different things work. It's been it's been intense. It's been intense. So I obviously don't want to exclude you guys or make you feel, I don't know, like I'm going too far away from what brought you to me in the first place. So again, the concept of the show is the same. Like these are just the things that you think, but you don't say. And to that end, I might want to change the name of the show to Inner Demon. It's a little bit edgier. It's a little bit more of like a darker type theme, but it's like that concept of the devil on your shoulder. You know, those things that you you have in your heart that you want to talk about, but you just don't. And maybe it's because you're introverted. Maybe it's because you don't want to deal with the consequences of having those conversations. Like, I understand all of that. And yeah, so inner demon, let me know what you think. I'm kind of feeling it. I'm feeling the vibe. And it's not just because it's Halloween. It's just, it feels like me. But I want to ask you guys because I obviously care about your your opinion. So let me know. DM me. Respond to the Instagram post. Just let me know what you think. Anyway, don't forget that this is also your time to check in with yourself. Make sure that your mental health is doing the best that it can be today. Just check in. How are you doing? Rate your mental health from one to five. Again, one being horrible, five being amazing. And just take that without judgment, you know? Sometimes it's gloomy and we're sitting at about a 3.5. And it is what it is. There's not too much we can do about that. But what we can do is not judge ourselves to make ourselves feel worse. We can spend time with people. We can make plans to get us out of our house. We can read a good book, cook good food for ourselves. We can still do things to support ourselves through the tough times, you know? So while you're thinking about that, I'm going to give you a couple of recommendations. Now, I have been doing scary movies this entire month, and I do have a scary show for you, but I also have some, like, not movie-related recommendations. So the first show, the first recommendation that I have for you is a show. It is called The Fall of the House of Usher. It's by the same guy that did The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass. However, I will say that The Fall of the House of Usher took me probably three episodes to get into, and I'm still not finished with it. However, about episode three to four is when it started really picking up steam. And I, historically, I am not into like a slow burn, you know? I'm not into like the cerebral shows. Westworld, you can miss me with that. I'm sorry. It's so slow. It's so long. I don't care, you know? So these first two episodes, I was like, you know, this just isn't working. It had segments of like, oh, I see the vision. You know, I see the vision of where I want the show to be, but it's just not there. But I kept watching because I'd watched three other series by this same creator guy 
and I think it's Mike Flanagan, I think is the person who does this. And I loved them. I've watched Haunting of Hill House and Haunting of Bly Manor multiple times, like three or four times each. I have literally spent full work weeks, like 40 hour work weeks in time watching these these shows. They're fantastic shows. So I had faith in this creator that he could make it work. And I'm on episode seven now and he's making it work. I didn't want to wait till the end of the series to let you know because I'll probably be finished with it by next week. But if you need something for spooky season to just kind of round it out, if you want something scary for Halloween day or Halloween weekend, The Fall of the House of Usher is a good one. It is not demonic. It does have some haunting things, but I feel like the people who would not have enjoyed Hill House or Bly Manor, but did enjoy Midnight Mass, could probably watch The House of Usher. The concept of the show is that there's this really powerful family who deals in pharmaceuticals and they're crazy rich, they're crazy popular, I guess. They're very influential, but they're not good people. And so eventually the house kind of gets its karma and people in the family start dying in very public and horrifying ways. And they're trying to figure out who's killing them. If somebody or something is killing them, it's, it's pretty intense. It's a really good watch. It's also good if you are a fan of Edgar Allan Poe, which I personally am. It's really a nod to, again, The Fall of the House of Usher is a novel by Edgar Allan Poe. The episode titles are short stories by him, such as A Telltale Heart, The Red Mask of Death, things like that. So if you're a Poe fan, definitely check it out. I Again, it is a slow burn, okay? Give it a few episodes. And I know that I hate when people say like, oh, you just have to get into it. But like, I built the faith in this creator. And if you watched the previous three series that this person did, you have also built faith in this creator. So let's give him time to make his vision come to life. And he's, he's getting there. It's building, you know? It's not like a slow burn for no payout, I don't think anyway. I'm feeling the tension building. I'm feeling the horror building and I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. So I definitely recommend that. Go take a look. It is on Netflix. The second thing I want to recommend is the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I got it from my library and I remember it from when I was a kid because I have always been into horror and I haven't always been allowed to read Stephen King books. (laughs) So... I did read Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and I think there's two of them. And as we're going to get into our episode today, I actually wanted to read you a quick little short story from the book. It is a collection of short stories. Some are scarier than others. Some are a little bit gory, but they're all kind of like PG-13. So without further ado... Let me read you the story called The Girl Who Stood on a Grave. Some boys and girls were at a party one night. There was a graveyard down the street, and they were talking about how scary it was. Don't ever stand on a grave after dark, one of the boys said. The person inside will grab you. He'll pull you under. 
That's not true, one of the girls said. It's just a superstition. I'll give you a dollar if you stand on a grave, said the boy. A grave doesn't scare me, said the girl. I'll do it right now. The boy handed her his knife. Stick this knife in one of the graves, he said. Then we'll know you were there. The graveyard was filled with shadows and was as quiet as death. There's nothing to be scared of, the girl told herself, but she was scared anyway. She picked out a grave and stood on it. Then quickly she bent over and plunged the knife into the soil, and she started to leave. But she couldn't get away. Something was holding her back. She tried a second time to leave, but she couldn't move. She was filled with terror. Something got me, she screamed, and she fell to the ground. When she didn't come back, the others went to look for her. They found her body sprawled across the grave. Without realizing it, she had plunged the knife through her skirt and had pinned it to the ground. It was only the knife that held her. She had died of fright. I like that story because it's kind of, it's almost funny. You know, it's, it's, what's that called? An allegory or something? It's, um, man, there's a word for it. About a story that teaches you a lesson. A fable? It's like a fable. And the thing is, is that a lot of times, the things that we're afraid of are entirely in our head. But that brings me to a Harry Potter quote. I think Dumbledore said it. And Harry was like, is this all happening inside my head? And Dumbledore is like, well, of course it is. But why on earth should that mean that it's not real? So... As we're working through your scary story submissions, as we're working through these stories, maybe they were all in your head, but perception is reality and reality can be terrifying. So let's get into it. They said, I worked with a lady with dementia. Weird things happened often, but you know, not your house, creepy things happen. But then once I was sitting on her bed doing her nails and she asked, who's that man? and pointed to the foot of her bed. I looked and was prepping my normal response when I saw an indentation at the edge of the bed rise like someone just stood up. She followed him with her finger. It's absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I, okay, it could be a trick of the light, right? It could just be that the woman who's laying in bed, like she moved her foot under the covers and that's what made it look that way. But, uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Ooh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies, man. Speaking of real-life horror, I have a story for you from when I lived in Seattle. And this is literally the scariest thing that ever happened to me. So, we're driving downtown Seattle. If you've ever driven in downtown Seattle, or most downtowns, you know that downtown is the worst place on earth to drive. All one-way streets, very congested. You're not getting where you're going fast. You know what I mean? So we're driving along. Not too much traffic, luckily. It's, I think it's a weekend, but we're just, you know, driving, minding our own business. When suddenly this man runs out into into the middle of the street. Now, there was a woman on a scooter in front of us and she stops and the man is standing in front of her yelling and waving his arms. He is holding a cane. He's wearing clothing that has definitely seen better days. And the assumption at that point from my perspective is that he is experiencing homelessness. 
So I am looking at my husband, I'm looking at the woman and no one is moving and traffic is building up behind us, but no one's honking, no one's doing anything because they can all see what's going on. My husband is a very, very good driver, okay? He has been a car control instructor, like he knows what to do in a car. So he sees that this is a bad situation and he puts the car in gear and we speed away. But as we go around this man, he, the man, jumps into the side of our car and leaves a dent. I'm, that dent is still there to this day on that car. And the rear part of the car, like the back wheels, kind of shift to the left with the weight of his blow to the car. So my heart's pounding because I'm like, oh my god, like what the heck happened? And we pull up to a light. We are, there are five lanes of traffic across and we're all at a stop and we are at the leftmost lane. The cross street in front of us is flowing to the right. So we are as far away as possible from the safe turn lane. I turn around and I see this man like moving as quickly as he can with his cane. He clearly has an injury of some kind and he is, he looks so mad and he's talking to himself and I'm looking at him. I tell my husband, I'm like, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And my husband's like, don't even worry about it. I'm looking in the back of the car because I'm like, do I have anything in here that I could use as a weapon? Because something horrible is about to happen here. And there's nothing in there. I found like a car charger that I might be able to use like to whip the guy in the face if I needed to. There's nothing in the car for me to use. I'm freaking out, right? But trying to keep it on the inside. You know, I'm not like screaming or anything, but I'm just like, he's coming, he's coming. And so my husband pulls ahead. The light that we're at is still red. We have to take a right and he pulls across five lanes of traffic to get us into the rightmost lane of the cross street. And we make it away from this man genuinely in the nick of time because I turn around again as we are just barely making that turn. And the guy is like 10 feet behind us. Like if he had gotten any closer, he would have been close enough to beat out our windows with his cane. Like he could have tried to rip open the doors. It would have been a bad situation. And so that is the scariest thing that ever happened to me. I, I was like genuinely frightened for my life. I thought that I was going to have to fight this person, that I was going to have to defend myself. And I was, I was genuinely frightened. I didn't know what to do. And honestly, looking back, still not 100% sure what like the right thing to do would have been. Because what do you do? right? Am I supposed to call the police? Like, I feel like we did the best thing that we could have done because not only did we get away safely, no one was harmed, everything was safe, but we moved the man, at least temporarily, out of the middle of the street. So no one else would hit him and there would be no altercation, especially with that woman that was on the scooter in front of us. Like, she's not protected by a car. To get to us, he would actually have to, like, break into the car to get to us. So yeah, that is, that is the scariest thing that ever happened to me. And I could still, I can still see it in my head. It was genuinely so surreal. I could not 
comprehend what was happening to me because this is this is like a movie you know like this is crazy and luckily we did not live downtown because the vehicle we were driving is very distinct it is bright blue and if we did live downtown i feel like if that guy wanted to he could probably go looking in like parking garages and stuff and maybe he did maybe he was holding a grudge or something that we got away but it was it was terrifying genuinely Okay, this is a story I found online about a haunted doll, and it's not Annabelle. So, here's how it goes. The creepy, old-fashioned porcelain doll with a Victorian appearance, red lips, rosy cheeks, and blue eyes, referring to Annabelle, may come to mind when one thinks of a haunted doll. However, it's unlikely that anyone still keeps one in their house, unless that house is Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. However, these dolls are not the only ones getting possessed. Disney's Frozen Elsa doll, given as a Christmas 2013 gift in the Houston region, made headlines when it started to appear to start acting paranormal. For two years, the doll was working as it was technically supposed to, reciting phrases from the movie and singing Let It Go when a button was pressed. In 2015, it started randomly alternating between English and Spanish languages. The woman who purchased the doll claimed that even with its switch off, the doll would start speaking and singing randomly. In December 2019, the family chose to get rid of the Elsa doll. Despite tossing it in the garbage, the family eventually discovered it hidden inside a bench in their living room weeks later. Following the discovery, Elsa started to speak and sing solely in Spanish, soon after which the family made another attempt to scrap the Elsa doll. The doll was double-bagged and put at the bottom of the garbage can, which was soon picked up by waste collectors. The family left for a trip some time later, but when they were back, the haunted doll was waiting in their backyard. In their last attempt, the family sent Elsa through the mail to a Minnesotan family friend who fastened the possessed doll to the front bumper of his truck. According to the woman's most recent update in October 2020, the doll hasn't returned to Houston yet. Even as a child, the the talking dolls are a no. You know, the Tickle Me Elmo thing, Furbies, I think, used to talk. It, Furbies especially, they were haunted, like, from the get-go. Like, it wasn't as though they became possessed. Like, they, if you look at them, they look like haunted objects. They are terrifying, okay? But absolutely not. And I don't know what you're supposed to do. Again, I don't think that I would send it through the mail to somebody else because that's like just passing off their problem. I am curious why the doll was just put on the front of this truck's bumper instead of like put in the ocean or burned or something. I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I don't know. But I honestly, honestly, the idea of throwing something away and then just having it pop back up is the worst. Because for me, I'm very forgetful, okay? So the odds of me thinking I threw it away and not actually having thrown it away are very high, you know? So I think it would take me three or four times of having thrown something away before I realized that it kept kept coming back. And I feel like this would kind of take the fun out of it for the doll because it's like, oh my gosh, this girl is not getting, I'm, I'm haunting you. Let me haunt you. Let me scare you. And meanwhile, I'm just like, la la la. I have no idea what I did today. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. I don't know what I did yesterday. And I won't remember it. If you ask me tomorrow what I did today, I will not know. I won't know. 
So maybe this has happened to me, but I have uh, not noticed because I forget everything. Okay, here's another one I found online. Around 1980, a single mother of a toddler, Dorothy Jane Scott, started getting threatening phone calls at work. She paid the calls little attention until one night, the ominous voice on the other end of the line instructed her to look outside. On her car's windscreen was a single withered rose. The stalker would alternate between declaring his love for her and making threats of physical harm. The caller's voice sounded familiar, but Dorothy couldn't place who it was, and she never got to find out. At a staff meeting, Dorothy noticed that one of her co-workers appeared unwell. She and another co-worker took the man to a neighboring hospital. Dorothy went outside to the parking lot while her two co-workers waited for the pre prescription to be filled. She wasn't seen again after that. According to her co-worker's testimony, they went outside to meet her in the parking lot after she didn't return. They suspected a problem had occurred when, with her son when they spotted her car rushing away as soon as they left the building. Neither her son nor anyone else ever saw or heard from Dorothy again. Her burned remains were discovered at a construction site four years later. The discovery of a collection of dog bones next to her remains added even more confusion to the case. No one has ever been found guilty or detained on suspicion. The caller has never been located. This is again giving absolutely not. You know, it's like, it's just the genuine horror of being a woman sometimes. Because, okay, so this guy, who whose voice she recognized but couldn't place, he had a crush on her, would leave her creepy roses on her car, so weird, and was mad when she didn't, like, return the feeling, and obviously I'm not going to because you're stalking me. And so, dude follows her around, as a stalker is wont to do, and abducts her, from the hospital. Now, since it's 1980, I don't know what kind of security system the hospital had in place. I would guess not much, but yeah, this is just the genuine horror of being a woman and being alive. You know, I am, it's so weird because I feel like I live in constant fear of being abducted and it's not even like, ooh, spooky, like this is gonna, no, like this is a genuine concern that I have everywhere I go. You know, if I go somewhere by myself, I always check in with my husband. If I, I'm like, I lock my doors immediately when I get in the car, I check the back seat. Like I do all of these things to make sure that I'm safe. And it's ridiculous that I even have to do that, you know? And this poor woman is just minding her business, trying to help her coworker get a prescription filled so they don't get any more sick and she's abducted and killed, apparently. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. Being a woman is wild. Okay, next story. This person says, my grandmother's entire life had a recurring nightmare. In this nightmare, she would be walking down a long, dark hallway, turn to the left, open a door, and see something terrible. She'd always wake up before seeing what it was. In her 40s, she, her husband, my dad, and my aunt were on vacation. They booked the hotel at the last minute, so they ended up having to get two rooms with two twin beds on opposite sides of the floor. My dad wakes up around 3 a.m., side note, witching hour, and can automatically tell something's not right. He calls out in the darkness, Dad? No response. He turns on the bedside light. Dad, he says, a little louder this time. Still no response. Getting worried, he slides out of bed and shakes his father. He doesn't wake up. My dad ran down the hotel hallway to my grandma's room and started banging on the door. 
My grandma worriedly opens the door and my dad shouts, something's wrong with dad. He leads her down the hallway, a long hallway, to the last door on the left. My grandmother reaches the door, turns to the left, and sees her husband, deceased, in bed. Heart attack. She never had the dream again. Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Uh, Man, I wonder how powerful the sense of deja vu was for your grandmother when she's walking down that hallway. Like, she might have recognized the wallpaper or the carpet or something. Like, man, this really feels like my dream. And if it had happened her whole life, ugh, that's horrible. I'm also a little confused why the mother and father weren't sleeping together, like, in the same room. But, I don't know, different family dynamics, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like, you don't know what the bad thing is that's going to happen. So, even if you feel the deja vu, you're like, I don't know, it's just a dream, whatever. And then it, oof. Not a dream coming true. Not a nightmare coming true. I've been having like the worst nightmares lately. It's been, it's been intense. I, I know that it's a side effect of my antidepressant, which is fine. Like I know, I know this, but it's also like I'm never lucid in the dreams. So they all feel so real and I wake up and I'm like, I feel like I'm still in fight mode in the dream. So I can't imagine having a dream like this real and you know something horrible is about to happen, but you don't know what it is until it actually happens. Ugh, can't imagine. I'm so sorry. Okay, next story. This person says, There was one moment that will stick with me forever that I get mixed reactions to when I tell the story. Let me start with adding some context. I was 20 at the time and was helping my girlfriend move from Alabama to Los Angeles. Because she had all her belongings and her car, we decided to drive. At the time, she had a suspended license, so I was the one who was forced to drive the whole way. Because I didn't want to get any speeding tickets, I bought my radar detector from home. Oh, excuse me. I brought my radar detector from home to take with us on the drive. Now, it was the second day of our trip, and we had recently crossed into New Mexico. At the time, it was already well, it was already well past sunset, so most of my drive that day was spent on the I-10 at night. Because I was the only driver, I made the decision to stop every couple of hours at rest stops to use the restroom, stretch, or eat. I remember stopping that night really late around 11 or 12 at a rest stop in Gage, New Mexico. From what I remember, the rest stop was really the only thing off the exit, and there was nothing as far as a town or homes in the area for miles. The only thing there was a small area with many identical concrete structures covering picnic tables. They were like concrete boxes, three-sided, with window cutouts and a light in the middle. As we were pulling in, the radar detector started going haywire, showing codes from multiple different bands, including X, KA, and laser all at once. I turned the radar detector off, not really thinking much about it at the time, and pulled into a picnic area next to the, near the back. From what I remembered, I was going to get a snack or something to tide me over, and I was, as I was grabbing the food from the middle row, I heard a low rumble slash squeak as if someone was rubbing their palm along the side of the car. As I was grabbing some items from a bag in my lap, my girlfriend at the time grabbed my arm with the most intense grip and fear and just started saying, we gotta go, we gotta go, with increasing panic. I'll never forget what I saw. In her side mirror, there was a large, rough silhouette leaning against the car just past the back door. Even from a glance, I could tell that the figure had to be much taller than the SUV as it looked a bit hunched over. Seeing this, I immediately started to panic as I was not sure if this was a person, animal, or whatever. 
As I was fumbling for the keys in the cup holder, I glanced in my side mirror and saw the exact same figure, motionless against the side of the car. A few seconds later, I started the car and punched it out of there. Where our car was parked, there was nothing visible from the light coming from the picnic awning. I'm not a huge believer in paranormal stuff, but this was an experience that I would 100% call my only real paranormal encounter. The size of whatever it was was definitely not human, and, the, and although it was somewhat human, the amount of hair it had on its head made it hard as hell what it actually looked like. A friend that I met later in college from New Mexico who had lived on a reservation once suggested that it could have been a wendigo or some other native folklore beast. I still don't know at all what it was for sure, but I still occasionally have nightmares about that night. The paranormal creatures are mm, terrifying. Terrifying. And I don't know if a wendigo is kind of like a like a skinwalker or something, but it it's it creeps me out because they're to me, there's a difference between, like, your average ghost or poltergeist or something and a, a creature, you know? The creature makes it feel like there's something, there's something happening. You know, like, there's this whole other world we don't know about and sometimes there's a crossover and they're coming for you kind of thing. And just FYI, there is a story in the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark book called The Wendigo. It is a little bit long, so I'm not going to read it for you, but definitely go check it out. There are a lot of good little stories in there. Again, just PG-13, so not super, super scary. All right, so let's talk about the second scariest thing that ever happened to me that gave me a lifelong fear of bats. So, my family moved around a lot because my stepfather was in the military, and when we first moved to Ohio, we had to live in this rental house. And we were kind of house hunting for our own place because it didn't have a military base that we could live on. It was a whole thing. So, this rental house was fine, but it needed a little bit of renovation and had some gaps in the roof. It had an issue with hot water. It was just like this whole situation. But being the family that we were and we're very used to kind of making do, we made do. It was fine, you know, like you can take a cold shower, you can do what you got to do to make it, you know. And overall, the house actually wasn't bad, but there was one instance that um, petrified me for the rest of my ever-loving life. So I was the only girl of my siblings, so I would always have my own room, and my brothers would sleep in their room together, and my parents obviously slept in their room together. So my parents are downstairs watching TV, my brothers are in their room, and they're going to sleep, and I'm in my room going to sleep, when all of a sudden, I am laying in the dark, minding my business, I don't have a phone or anything, so I'm literally just in silence in the dark, and I feel this something, like, swooping down and touching my hair. I'm like, that's so weird, and we didn't have, like, central air conditioning. Like, I had a fan, so, like, it's the constant airflow, but it was just, like, every so often it would just hit my hair, and I'm just like, what is that? So I get up, I turn on the light, I turn around, and there is a full-grown bat, and it's probably, it's not huge, maybe a foot wingspan, it is flapping toward my face. 
and I throw open the door. I go down the hall, take a right, down the stairs, and I look behind me just for a second, and this thing is still following me. So I burst into the living room. My parents are like, why aren't you asleep? And then all of a sudden the bat like catches up with me and they're like, okay, got it. So they like usher it out of the house. I'm petrified. I turn on the hall light and sleep with the hall light on. Okay. That has never happened to me before. And bats usually don't do that. Like I wasn't like doing anything. I wasn't making any noises. Maybe it thought that I was like my hair was prey, which (laughs) Don't get me started on the complex that that gave me about my hair, but it's beside the point. So the next day, my brothers and I are in their room. We're playing something and I like lean back on the carpet and I look down and inches from my hand is a bat. And this bat is like curled up into itself and nestled under the carpet like it's a it's a rug essentially not really carpet that goes to the edge but it's just this it was a hideous orange rug okay it was hideous but it came with the house and we used it but under the rug this little bat had just nestled itself so I I'm screaming again my brothers are screaming we run and get my mom and we're like mom there's another bat in the house she's like no there isn't like stop and like no seriously come look so she has to get gloves and she has to get it and get it out of the house. It was a whole situation. And ever since those experiences, I have been absolutely effing petrified of bats because I like I'm here minding my own business and you're swooping on me. You know, we can coexist. You know, you do your thing. You, I don't know, hunt the bugs or whatever. And my hair is not a bug. So rude. And I'll do my thing. I'll go to sleep. Mind my business. Okay. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta not be in the house the next day. You gotta, like, find your own space, okay? But, again, ever since then, petrified of bats. So much so that when I went to Carlsbad Canyons earlier this year, we saw what looked like bats swooping in and out of the cavern, and I was, like, petrified. I, like, my breath was all tight in my throat, and it was terrifying. And then I realized that it was birds, and I was fine, but I am absolutely terrified of bats now, so love that for me. Okay, let's get a little bit of a lighter one. This person says, spooky yet funny. I was young in my early 20s and went out with friends, a car full of people. It was in the autumn season and we were traveling across town very late out in the countryside. We decided to pull off the road into a little drive for a leak, as a lot of guys do just on the side of the road and facing the opposite direction from the other person. As the driver adjusted the car for an easier pullout, the headlight shines and somehow we didn't realize we were in a cemetery the whole time. We don't know how we would have missed seeing all the tombstones on the way in. Never had so many guys run so fast, zip and button pants at the same time. We made sure we did a head count just to assure there wasn't an extra in the car. And like, uh, spooky but funny is the way to summarize this. Because it sounds like the, the cemetery popped up out of nowhere, okay? I would check for an extra person and I would check to make sure that there wasn't a person missing because y'all, that's an absolute no. However, (laughs) my husband and I, when we first started dating, we would go on walks together and we were walking by a cemetery and he will swear to this day that there was a statue that was like turning and watching us walk. 
I, I, I'm skeptical. I didn't see it. But he, honest to goodness, will swear to this day that that statue was watching us. And maybe it was. Maybe it is part of the traveling troop of cemetery that you guys ended up in. That's so crazy. Okay, next story. They said, about a year ago, I was up watching movies late at night when I got hungry and went downstairs for a snack. My room is across from my daughter's room and her door was open. As I was coming back upstairs, I start turning left towards my room when I hear, clear as ever, Daddy, can you close the door? I turn around, don't say much, and just close it. Once I'm back in my room, I lie down to watch TV when it hits me. My daughter isn't there. She's spending the night at my parents'. I get up and go to her room and sure enough, it's empty. I woke up my wife and she thinks I'm crazy, says it was, I was probably tired and maybe it was the TV. I remember the voice so clear and coming in the direction of her room. It's very possible that it was just my head playing games, but it definitely made me question a few things. Yeah, okay. The unseen voices? No. But is there anything scarier than a potential haunted child? For real. Like, what is the kind of ghost that you would least like to see? Is it like an old person? Is it a child? Or like regular, I say regular age, but I mean like middle to lower age adult, young adult. For me, I think the scariest would be a child. And in part, this is because I don't love children to begin with. And now you're telling me you're haunted too? Mm, No, (laughs) no, 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 no. But maybe you just had a little ghosty girl using your daughter's room and she felt comfortable with you and asked you to shut the door. All fine. All fine. I'm pretending for your sanity. (laughs) Good luck with that. Hope it never happened again. Okay, next one. They said, I grew up in a haunted house. My parents still live there to this day. Most traumatic experiences of my life. The one memory that tops the list is one I hate telling and rarely do. I would always wake up in the middle of the night and see stuff, from as young as I can remember until I moved out at 18. One night, I was about six maybe, I woke up to see a man and a woman, both dressed all in white, palest skin I'd ever seen, both standing at the foot of my bed looking out the window. The woman looked average height while the man reached the ceiling. I tried to convince myself it wasn't real, that I was dreaming, until the man turned and looked at me. His eyes were red. I turned sideways and covered my head, trying again to convince myself I was dreaming. After a few minutes, I looked over the covers and the man was now standing at the side of my bed, looking down at me. I remember nothing after. I talked to a specialist when I was older, thinking maybe I suffered from sleep paralysis due to these experiences, but that was not the case. In every experience, I could move and I even ran out of my bedrooms multiple times. Great times. Yo, that's... That... No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not the haunted house, okay? I I feel like unless your house is new, and even then, most houses have a history with other people. And so, like, I feel like most houses are probably haunted in some way. But not all hauntings are so visceral and terrifying, okay? And... I'm so sorry that happened to you. That sounds horrible. I would never turn off the lights again. Never, not one time. Okay? Never. I'm sorry. I don't even know what else to say. That gave me the chills. Uh, And so we'll move on to another 
haunted house. And this is actually going to be our last story for this episode. So uh, buckle up, buckle up. That's all I can say. They say, I live in an extremely old house. It creaks, it groans, the house isn't completely level, so sometimes unlatched doors swing open on their own, quote-unquote, but really because physics. If you sat in my house on a windy day, you'd swear to God it was haunted because the window frames aren't great and the wind screams through the gaps and rattles the glass as though it were angered. I've lived here for a couple years now. I know every noise this house makes like the back of my hand. I hardly notice it these days which is why I found it odd that when I was brushing my teeth one night a few months ago, I clearly heard two men's voices on the other side of my bathroom door. Now, it's just me, the dogs, and my boyfriend living here. My boyfriend was across the hall laying in bed and the dogs were with him. The voices I heard were clear as day, two older gentlemen. Should we tell him? No. Is he in there? And the second voice did not reply. I obviously yanked the bathroom door open and looked to see who was in my hallway, but there was no one there. I listened for a few minutes, thinking maybe I heard the TV or something, but I don't hear anything. I call out and ask if my boyfriend said anything. He hollers back, no, from where he's at in the bedroom. I go back to my nighttime routine, shut off the bathroom light, and now the hallway is dark. I'm going to go to the bedroom. I bring my hand down from turning the light switch off, and my hand brushes up against a cold, rough-feeling hand like someone with a lot of calluses on their hand. I felt the palm and thumb distinctly, like someone had reached out to grab my hand, but my movement kind of pulled out of the grasp before they could actually grab my hand, if that makes sense. The hand came from behind me, from in the bathroom. I obviously know there's no one in the bathroom. I just left the bathroom. And then I heard someone mumble from behind me. Not words exactly, just kind of a voice, like someone grumbling under their breath. I jumped, turned the bathroom light back on, saw no one, left the light on, and hauled butt to the bedroom to tell my boyfriend what just happened because I was extremely freaked out. We checked the entire house for an intruder, found no sign of any. Everything was locked up as usual. It's never happened again. I have no idea what it was. First of all, major props to you for whipping, like, ripping the bathroom door open. I would not, okay? I would probably... You have fight or flight, and you also have freeze. And unfortunately, I do believe that I am a freeze or flight kind of person, okay? I'm not one to jump into a conflict. I'm not big. I'm not strong. I am not a fighter. Like, that's just not my thing. So for me to rip the door open, I would have to be certifiably lost my marbles. Like, I would not be well, if I'm whipping the door open, something is wrong. I have been possessed, okay? So good for you for doing that. Incredible. You see nothing. You're like, maybe it's a TV. You're doing the normal, like, talk yourself out of it kind of thing. And then you hear, you feel somebody behind you and you turn on the light again. Dude, on the way that I would run, I would run to the bedroom. I would not look behind me. I would not turn on the light. I would run to the bedroom, slam the door shut. We're not leaving this room until the morning because I'm not dealing with whatever that is. It's not happening. I'm not doing it. So what I've learned here today is that y'all are much braver than I am, okay? I, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. No, <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm trying to imagine a scenario 
in which I go investigate the sound, okay? No way in in hell I am investigating a single sound, especially when I know that it can't be coming from any of the people that I know are in the house, okay? If I'm home alone and, like, my dog's at the border or something and I hear something in the house, I'm staying in whatever room I'm in, you know? I'm not leaving the room. I don't need to go anywhere. I don't need to eat. I'll be fine. I'm staying here until the next morning or until someone else comes home. That ain't happening. I'm not dealing with it. I'm not inviting any of this into my life. I don't want it. Thank you very much. But y'all are brave. And what I would like to also know is if you had whipped open the door, you probably would fight them. Like if you had whipped open the door and you saw a ghost man, you probably would fight them, right? Because you're all ready to fight. And me... I would slam the door shut again if I had been so possessed to open it in the first place. Yeah, you are so much braver than me. I'm so glad this never happened again because absolutely not. Okay, absolutely not. Old houses, they do have a lot of history, you know, with a lot of different people potentially. So there's no telling, you know, it could have just been a transient spirit or a pair of spirits passing through. I don't know. I don't know. Could have been in your head. But why on earth should that mean that it is not real? (laughs) Probably scared you, huh? (laughs) Scared me a little bit. With all of that said, that is all we have time for this week. Happy Halloween again, my goblins, my ghoulies. I am so glad that we got to celebrate this holiday together. If you are feeling particularly kind and generous, obviously I would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Make sure you follow the show on Instagram and TikTok. And I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye.